0: Hello and welcome to another In The Twin Tangibles series of podcasts. My name's Tim Wright and I'm going to be your host for this particular session. Financial innovation is a global phenomenon. It's happening everywhere. Increasingly, governments and legislators are seeing this as a tremendous opportunity to introduce new thinking and new ideas and new models into ways of financing, particularly business and entrepreneurship. This week in Australia, the Financial Systems Inquiry report was published. It pointed out a number of opportunities where, with just minor adjustments, crowdfunding, alternative finance, and new innovative financial products could be brought to market much more readily. In the same week, MarketLend, a new platform, was opened up in Australia, and I had the opportunity to speak to Leo Tindall, who's the Chief Executive and Founder. He told us a great deal about what makes MarketLend special, what makes it distinctive, and why the Australian marketplace is ready for it. This is what he had to say.
1: I mean a market lender essentially is exactly what it sort of we've promoted it to be, which is a direct access for the borrower to get to investors who will buy their loans. I mean, in the same way that banks raise capital so that they can fund loans, now with the internet and the ability securely to do transactions on the internet, it is now possible for borrowers to do exact same thing as the bank and reduce a lot of the intermediary costs. Yeah. So apart from that, and as we've seen in the GFC, banks really haven't stuck to what they originally started out as. When you look back to what banks were at the very beginning, which was part of the community and their job was to take deposits and then lend money to another party And as a result of the two, they get paid a fee for sort of doing that. Well, that's all gone out the window with the additional costs and, you know, additional regulation. And then also with a lot of banks thinking of other ways they can earn money. Yeah. We've sort of seen a very different move away from the simple concept of take my deposits and invest them elsewhere. But take my deposits, they then work out where they can invest them and it may not be to lend money to another party. And then at the same time not give the returns to the investor and then increase the rates to borrowers because they don't really want to lend to borrowers. Yeah. And so uh, I the- think for market lend, you know, our whole simple concept is we have a platform, borrowers can go up there, they essentially put their loans up. The investors sit on the other side. There will be two types of investors. There will be the investors who will look at them loan by loan and may buy parts of a loan or all of the loan. And then there will be investors who will say to me, well, look, I've got a million dollars here. I'll set you an eligibility criteria. And as the loans come in, you allocate it for your structure. So, I mean, the big change that has happened in the whole marketplace is that the old days of some system doing that would have cost many millions and would have required a lot of people, and wouldn't have been secure. So with the advancements of internet and the advancements of software, we're now seeing an ability, essentially, you could say, to run a bank through the internet and be safe and secure, and at the same time, reduce all the costs that sort of come... And also remove the subjectivity and give speed to it. You know, one of the brokers we spoke to and sort of been talking about our product, and I said to him, a new customer in Australia wants to get an SME loan. What's the average time? And he said, well, it can range from one to three and maybe even up to six months if it's a new customer for the bank. It's incredible. Now. You know the banks have a great difficulty understanding s m e risk one and then on top of it, they're reluctant to do it. There's you know mortgages there's a lot of other places they can put their money and at the same time there's a lot of subjectivity. part yeah. of the other reason is is that you know, banks sit there and having worked in a bank a long time I know that they a lot of times they don 't really look at the risks they're looking at many other different factors and a lot of politics within the banks themselves
0: yeah so we're, we're more and more familiar now with with these novel alternative finance models coming out through the crowdfunding the crowd lending and of course the the sort of market invoice trading and things so what what's distinctive about market lending give us a scenario we're a business what, what is it that we' we are trading when we come on to market lend in order Okay, to get well, to that, that point.
1: Okay, firstly I would say to you and having come from a, a background of securization that uh, any sort of word alternative finance has always got a bad connotation to it. So uh-huh. I'd be I'd be very scared to call it alternative finance. I think okay. what I would say is innovative or fintech okay. solutions. Yeah. Um the, the simple thing that we do and you know is two things we're Well, probably more than two things, but what we really would do for an SME is we turn around and we resolve one issue that they have about making sure that they can match their receivables with their payables. Uh So whereas right now they have payables which may require 7, 21, maybe if they're lucky, 55 days. And their receivables are sitting out thirty, sixty, ninety, and and sometimes if they're the big mining companies, they could even be up at one hundred and twenty. There's an enormous liquidity gap gap between the two. Yeah. And what we do is we essentially match that. So we would say to a customer, well, you tell us your invoices, how much you know is your payables that you have to do on a monthly basis. Yeah. And then we say to them, well, how long would you like to have to pay those back? And if they say two months, three months, we say fine. So multiply that by three and then put a, a buffer on possibly of, say, 0.5% or something like that. So 3.5 times. Yep. And then we give them a limit for that amount. Okay. So we then set that limit up in our system and it shows as being a loan to that SME with a limit of an amount. So say, for example, someone's got, you know, say uh, 25000 per month, then they possibly may have a $100,000 limit if they wanted 90 days. Yeah. So that limit's there. And then what happens, we say to the – when then it goes up there for offer. Investors can come in by parts of it or by all the loan. When they buy the loan, they don't actually get the loan. They get a note that's secured directly on that loan. There's only one trust per loan. Okay. So that note's directly secured. It's a senior note, the junior note to that loan, which typically varies between 2 to 5% is actually held by us. So we take the first loss. And then they get a senior note. Okay. So they get that senior note. They hold that note. When it's fully funded, so the bids have come in and we fully fund it, then what happens is that we advise the client that they're fully funded and then the limit is now available. And then what we would do is say provide your – well, they provide their list of suppliers when they initially go through the process, but then we'd say, okay, provide your invoices or let's coordinate with your supplier and your supplier gives us a batch file on a daily basis and we pay pay your – essentially invoices yeah and as they as we pay their invoices then we would send them one statement per month or possibly once every 60 days depending on how long they've got the extension the extended terms and we would send them an invoice for the amount plus the margin which costs for us to do the administration charges um, for that Okay. So what we do from our side, of course, is that when someone makes an application, we essentially vet them through uh, firstly an identification process. Then we that's through my verified ID. Then after we've verified who they are, then we actually go and to the external authorities and do a check on the various credit checks that need to be done externally. Yeah, And when all that information is together, then we actually input that into a rating model that's been developed by contractors from the develop, uh, Department of Defense. They don't work for the Department, but contractors to the Department of Defense and ourselves. And that takes into account 65 data factors depending on the application and results with, or give a result as the likelihood of repayment. So it's with that rigorous, likelihood of repayment.
0: Then. Pardon? All pretty rigorous stuff then, Leah.
1: Oh, it, it's uh, the the actual credit works thing has been provided. The credit the credit facility for uh, credit checks and like does the same work for borrow and a lot of large companies. Yeah. Um. And so we do do a lot of checks on our borrowers. We get them through, and he, all that process, whilst it sounds rigorous, can take as short as five ten minutes. Wow. The checks themselves can take as close as twenty seconds. Wow. And the process for the verification is is as quick as some email verifications and as well as a driver's license check for the directors and then the rating model it takes approximately a minute to run okay so consequence of that the result comes up and then um, we send that across to our, our platform and it sits on our platform with a rating and then it's for the investors to look at and choose whether they wish to buy. And the investors can click on how the rating is determined if they want to know more details of how the rating gets determined. They can contact us and we run them through how the rating gets determined. And then we essentially wait for them to make their bids. Okay. The bids when they come through, if they're fi- when it's finalized, well then we transfer it across and we start the process of drawdown as we pay those invoices and then as the paybacks come through 30 or 60 days we pay them back to the investor the term of the loan even though it's a 60 or 90 day credit the term of the loan typically is three years okay but the sweetness with us from an investor point of view if someone failed to pay their 60 day um, account that we send them within 10 days we would wind them up yeah Okay, and so, so we've got you, a short-term check as well as a long-term check on them. Yeah. You, you
0: mentioned there in, in the, the lead and you mentioned, you know, if you've got, uh, uh, if you're supplied mining firms and things like that, clearly that's something that's very much a dynamic of the, the Australian marketplace. Do, do you think that the, you're, you're stepping into a big gap here in Australia? Is that this type of innovative finance uh, something that's a real opportunity in Australia? Is there anything specific? about australia you think that uh, makes uh, companies there more suited to this
1: yes there is and the, it's not so much the companies it's probably more towards the banks australia is governed by really seven banks three of them are regional and four of them are four major banks they call them the four pillars yeah those four major banks their biggest focus is on mortgages household mortgages the Focus outside of household mortgages is not significant. There's approximately 3 million actual in market players of SMEs in the market in Australia. And of that 3 million, um, the second biggest issue for why a lot of them stop operating is they can't get funding. Yeah, yeah. So, and their other the complaint, common complaint is that they say that they don't believe that um, the knowledge of their bank, the the bank understands them, and then it's also delay. The market itself also has a very unusual thing. You cannot get an SME loan here, like a proper loan, not buying invoices or something similar, which is not really a loan, but you can't get a traditional SME loan in Australia without securing some commercial property or residential property. And that's where we would say our niche is separated from them, is that we do look at the fact that we won't ask for real estate security. Mm-hmm. So this gives the flexibility to the SMEs to be able to offer up that real estate security to their banks. And also it uh, turns around and also gives flexibility to directors and the like that they're not having to sit there and you know, give up their own sort of house and the like yeah. to secure themselves. We will, and it's it's in the presentation, although we will look at down the track insurance. We have been talking to the insurers. Insurers have said to, that they have quite a good interest, but, you know, as we build our portfolio, then we will add insurance to the mix. Okay. But then it'll be a choice for the investors, whether, you know, returns, of course, when there's insurance. Alter significantly, and that will be factors that are taken into account if someone gets given insurance. Yeah, and on the supply I mean, side
0: in Australia, is there a lack of retail investment there for, for so people are looking the, for opportunities so, to invest?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's all about return. Um, a bank deposit in Australia gives you a return of around three uh-huh. percent, um, you know, three to three and a half percent. The outside of that, you've got the corporate returns, which give you maybe four, four and a half. So a triple B risk is four, four and a half. You really don't have strong returns. Anything that sits in the market of, uh, you know, the higher yields is very high risk. And you may argue ours is high risk too, but then we would argue that it's secured. It's a secured note. Over at the beginning, yes, it's it's a startup, and so there's always those risks that come with the startup. But you know, with a well-known trustee, the trustee is a subsidiary of IWOF, which is um, managing approximately 128 billion of funds in Australia. Um, we have JLT, which is J D. Noyne Thompsons, backup servicer, who again is a very well and it's a public company. So we have a lot of enhancements there. But you know, in simple terms, it's quite hard to find strong yielding assets, and there is a phenomenon in Australia which is an unusual phenomenon is the superannuation market oh yeah is close to forty to fifty percent of it is self managed funds. Oh, is that of right? those self managed funds a lot of them have problems. Well firstly they're not happy about all these manager fees they have to pay and then on top of it a lot of them have problems finding investment. Now right now a lot of them have been using Their super funds to buy investment properties and and the like. But, you know, we're now hearing noises from the regulator as well as um, from various banks that they're going to cut back on offering these type of loans. And on top of it, the market itself, there's a lot of talk about the market being quite hot in the investor market. And so you would say, well, there may be a bit of a move away from that. Unfortunately, in Australia, fixed income, which you could say our instruments are, haven't been as popular. Um, but that's probably lack of understanding and then also lack of transparency. Yeah, yeah. The thing that we do give to an investor is at any time in any day, they can go in and look at their investment. Now, that's I know in banking when I was in it that you'd see investors and they complain they hadn't even received the reports prior to you know the last time I'd seen them on the roadshow a year ago. They still yeah. hadn't had investor reports, or they couldn't get the ones they wanted, or they couldn't get the information they wanted. Well, that's a thing of the past with our platform, and, and I suppose you could say a lot of the platforms out there. Yeah.
0: So uh, you, you've gone live. You, you went live yesterday, yep. is it right? That's correct. What sort of companies is there a sort of typical company that you're you're thinking uh, should be looking at your platform as an alternative, or do you think it's pretty available to, to regardless of sector, or or you're fairly Look, agnostic about? We
1: we we haven't aimed ourselves initially at the direct market. Um, we're willing to feel direct market. Players, but we've really looked at the referrer and broker market. We have a referrer that we've engaged, who's a very well-established um, referrer in the market, who's going to use their customer base as well as um, you know, various other marketing techniques to approach parties. Um, yep. They won't approach their they they won't approach it on the basis of a market lend model. They'll approach it on the basis of a working capital facility that's available to borrowers um we have on the other side of the spectrum we have brokers who who are saying that they've got a number well one that's given us a number of applications already and said that they'd like to look into um getting on the platform asap before christmas and they're in the pharmaceutical medical industry we're not going to cherry pick where we're going one area that we do focus on and we've been pitching on that for the last few years and, and looking at these areas is the supply market. So we go to the suppliers and tell them that we have a solution that would enable them to turn around and reduce their collections and okay. reduce their bad debts. Yeah, And that's something that has been of interest for a few of the uh, suppliers. And we're in discussions with a number of them. In regards to that.
0: Okay, mate. And as an investor, I'm guessing this is—is is this restricted to just Australian citizens or Australian registered? Uh... No,
1: it's not. No, okay. it's not. Uh, I suppose what's un- different from us compared to other players is that um, we are able to be withholding tax exempt. So okay. that's the first thing because we are issuing out notes. We're able to be withholding taxes them, and then it will be governed a little bit by the distribution laws within each country. Um, but yeah, we can accept other money from other things. It's just then it goes down to currency.
0: Yeah, okay, mate.
1: That's right. great. So it's just we don't we're not running swaps at the moment, and I don't plan to for the for the earlier term.
0: Now, look, you're you're a lawyer by training, aren't you? So what, what what's what's taking you into all of this exciting new innovative area in finance?
1: Well, I suppose you'd say, uh, sure, I am a lawyer by training, but uh, um, for the last, since 1998, I've been in the banking industry. Okay. And I've gone from working as a lawyer in the banking industry to eventually finishing up working as a head of capital markets for a foreign investment bank. So um, my experience through that was that whilst banks did offer certain things and there was a lot of structure around a lot of the banks. There was a lot of inconsistencies with the way that they approved credit and then also there was a lot of, you could say, risk-taking in areas where it wasn't so much, like I said, the simple principle of deposit-taking and then lending on the other side. That wasn't the mentality. And, you know, I was probably... And I'm sure there's a few others out there, a banker during the GFC and went all the way through right up to 2011. So I did see a lot of distress situations. Yeah. And what I noticed was that when the times were all good and, you know, I was sticking to a very traditional model of, you know, one minute structuring up and getting third parties or um, sort of originators to be funded by the capital markets. My fellow colleagues in banks were turning around and doing CDOs and the like and making a lot more money than mine and <laughs> making a big bones about it. And yet they're the ones, well, the the banks have suffered for that. And I think this is not just the issue. The risk management or the risk weighting now has gone so far. The other side of the pendulum, the banks just can't lend as they want to. And then I think the answer really is, is that, from a banking point of view, my model has evolved to a model that combines P2P and banking. It's got the, from inception, it will do securization, it will issue out notes, it has a backup service uh, um, it has agreements in place, a master trust, a trust all the same agreements you would see if you were in a bank and the bank went to the capital markets. Yeah. The advantage the peer-to-peer offers, and this is the thing that I got very excited when I first heard about it, is that typically, if you wish to do a securisation or fund loans, you have to have usually a pool of 50 to 100 mil of loans and you need to get a rating and so you need three years history and then you need to essentially spend a lot of money on legals and then you know you need to get all these people who seem to have a everywhere to earn money and to set your program up. The difference with peer-to-peer, and I think this is the attractiveness of it, is that it's very economical to run. You can still use the same type of structures and not only can you use them, but you can be a lot more transparent than you were if you were doing the others. And the rating side, you can give the rating methodology or give the flexibility of understanding the risk and making opinion back to the investor the investor yeah. can see how you've done that yeah and that's something that i think rating agencies unfortunately have done themselves a lot of damage and then look post gfc there's been a lot of there's a lot of people not wanting to take risks anymore yeah innovation it's gone and everyone's sort of sitting there just trying to hold on to their seat and keep their job
0: but from the, looking at it from this side of the world, you see the, the announcements coming out from the Financial Systems Inquiry and things in, in Australia in recent days. Sounds like there's an emerging sense of, of positivity around innovative finance. Uh, there. Oh,
1: look, the the, the timing of my launch is phenomenally good. It is no question of a doubt that the market itself has, because of the major, because of the four four tiers of banks or four banks, and their monopoly in the market, it's no question that essentially it's it's been seen that this is just there has to, it has to stop, yeah. And I think this is what's really driven, um, what you could say, the push now and the inquiry. You know, funnily enough, Dave Murray, who's who's essentially an ex banker, um, coming out with what he what he's sort of said, is a great thing. I mean, and you know, the unfortunately, it's yet to be reflected because I must say the process of getting a um, a full license from the AFSL from ASIC and the like has been a very painful process and delayed. It's taking a lot longer. Sure. And, you know, this is the things that he came out and said, we've got to let these guys innovate and come up. Whereas the Wallace report, which was another one a while ago came out, sort of said the opposite. Um, It is very much a case that I think, I think the fact is, and they've discovered that the GFC did sort of do a lot of damage to a lot of sort of alternative, you could say, not alternative, but non-bank funders, yeah. and they need that market to come back, and that's uh, the screaming out for it. It's an interesting because there's not enough competition.
0: Yeah, we we have a similar situation here in some respects. In the whilst. We're we seeing a lot of innovation around finance and a, a lot of novel um, uh, Startups coming through and it's a very vibrant scene here. You've got the Chancellor of the Exchequer effectively uh, talking very very positively about about this and how it can be enabled But the regulators, uh, you know stand on something on the other side of the fence because they know if it all goes wrong It's it's it uh, it'll be them that the
1: left holding the baby, so um Well, and look, when you bring that to the point, I mean, and that's where I would argue what is ours, how are we different from our competitors, is that we have set ourselves up so that in the case that things go pear-shaped, that we have a fairly solid structure with securization as well as um, trustee structures and secured debt, which is something that's unusual in the peer-to-peer. At the moment, if you look at a lot of the peer-to-peers, and I suppose it comes from the background of the... The fellows who are in it, they're either a lawyer who's hooked up with an IT guy or, or something yeah. similar. So they don't have it. My background very much was a securization specialist. And so I've made a lot of use of that because I did see through the crisis, forget the CDOs, which are not tr- traditionally securization. I did see through the crisis that they were able to survive very well. And, you know, banks made use of them in Europe and the like to raise money. Yeah. So it, it is a case, as much as securisation got a very bad name in, through the uh, crisis, the fact is, is that if there ever, ever is a, a meltdown, there's a very clear process of how the loans can be collected and what can happen there. And that's not something that's, I would say, as clear with people who are setting up just segregated bank accounts or running some managed investment scheme which really is not designed for this type of product. Yeah, it so sounds this like is this is I, I call it as this is setting up a bank. You but you're not a bank. You're giving it back to the to the customer, to the borrower, and the investor.
0: It sounds like you've got a lot of really great innovative ideas going on there, Leo. And it's 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 terrific to see this this trend spreading uh, around the world and, and particularly you know you, you leading the way there in australia where can we learn a bit more about market lend if we want to do that
1: Pardon me well i suppose the easiest one is at our website okay which is of course www.marketlend.com.au we also have uh, facebook which is a uh, facebook and i believe it's facebook with uh, then marketlend and other than that uh, we do and one of the things we do do we have a fair bit of animation Um we have two new animated videos coming out soon there's one on our website right now on the home page but we will have one for the borrower and one for the investor coming out soon um and outside of that i believe banking day will do an article on us tomorrow um you know we will and if someone wants to directly contact us we have you know you can always they can always email us at uh, applications uh, at marketland.com.au or um they can contact me at leo tindall at marketlend.com.au. Fantastic. I mean for us it's very much a case of uh, we're open for business and you know it's worth, we're not the middlemen, we're just a facilitator and it's then for the borrower to be able to put his loans up and then hopefully find investors who will buy them. Leo,
0: it's great to speak to you. I really appreciate you taking the time. What must be a fantastically busy period for you with the launch and everything. So uh, thanks very much. Every success. We wish you every success with it. And uh, we'll check in with you again at some point in the future.
1: Good on you. Thanks very much. Speak to you later. Thank you. Bye.
0: My sincere thanks then to Leo for taking the time to speak to us at what's a really, really busy time. We wish him every success with Market Lend. This has been Tim Wright for Twin Tangibles. Listen out again for another podcast soon, and if you want to find anything else out about Twin Tangibles in the meantime, just check out www.twintangibles.co.uk. Thanks for listening.